Watching Hashtag Houston Healthcast, a podcast powered by Houston Healthcare as part of our Hashtag Houston Healthy Initiative. My name is Derek, and my guests and I endeavor to uh, provide healthcare news, advice, tips, and updates to help the people of Houston County, Georgia, and beyond live a more Hashtag Houston Healthy lifestyle. Today, we'll be discussing a health condition that may not be as well known as others, but still has a major impact on the health of our community and the country at large sepsis. We'll be talking about what exactly sepsis is how we can identify it, and why it is such a major issue for our patients and community. With me today is Donna Mettendorf. She is our RN coordinator for sepsis at Houston Healthcare. How are you doing today, Donna? I'm doing well, thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast with me Thank today. you for inviting me. Uh, so before we get into the topic at hand, um, we like to give our listeners a chance to get to know you. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Donna. Uh, how long have you been a nurse? Um, this year, I celebrate my 40th year. 40 years. Mm -hmm. And so, most of that has been in the critical care area in ICU, okay. which I've thoroughly enjoyed wow. and where I have met and worked a lot with sepsis. Oh, excellent. Um, how many of those 40 years, that's an impressive number, 40 years, <laughs> how many of those years were at Houston Healthcare? Um, 20. I just celebrated 20. the 20th year this year. Okay. Um, were there any major role models or events in your life that uh, made you want to be a nurse? Actually, yes. Um, when I was younger, I worked as a nurse assistant in a hospital in Greenville, South Carolina, okay. and took a, on a big interest in the cardiac area and saw an opportunity that maybe I could make a difference mm -hmm. taking care of patients. So um, I decided to begin school at that time. Okay. That's excellent. So you, you started in the in the world and you just wanted right. to stay there as long as possible. Right. right? Um, so why sepsis coordinator? Um, was that a role you were assigned or was it something you've always been passionate about? Or did you kind of learn more about it and become more passionate as you grew to learn more? Kind of what was your what was your um, path to becoming a sepsis coordinator? Well, in um, 2016, we um, started working on our sepsis care at Housing, And um, I was invited to the meetings and began taking an active role in looking at our cases and our patients and how we line up our protocol with the Surviving Sepsis Campaign and the Centers for Medicare CMS. Um, so I worked on the side. I worked in ICU as a nurse and then became the assistant nurse manager in ICU. But on the side, worked on this sepsis work group committee, and we all recognized the need for a leader, a coordinator, um, to be able to follow things through. And I knew that if it ever came available, it would be something that I would be interested in and um, applying for. So in 2021, the end in December, they did make that offer. They decided we would create that position, and that's when I applied and stepped into it. That's amazing. What is the kind of the details of that position? What is your daily life like? Mm -hmm. What is what what is a day in a in a sepsis coordinator like? It's a lot of case reviews because um, initially we had to set up an an official um, protocol 
a policy, of course, and so we align everything to that policy, and that's what I review. I review it in charts. Um, when we have an internal sepsis alert, um, I do attend those just to kind of re- review the process and get feedback from the employees um, on any kind of changes they would make and recommendations or and talk to patients and their families while we're there, helping them to understand what, what we're doing and why we're doing it. So kind of almost like a little bit of a patient advocate work. Some, well. mm-hmm, some and a lot of data collection. A lot of data collection. <laughs> Sounds riveting. <laughs> um, so onto the topic at hand, sepsis, as we stated earlier, is a major disease that we deal with on both a local and national scale. For the CDC, with more than uh, 350,000 lives lost per year, sepsis ranks as the third leading cause of death in the U.S., uh, which puts it just after heart disease and cancer. Um, There are 1.7 million cases of sepsis every year, and yet only 66% of Americans, uh, American adults, have ever heard the word sepsis. Uh, With those facts in mind, Donna, can you start out by telling us the basic? What is sepsis? Well, sepsis is the body's response to an infection. It's your immune system. So your body may not react to the same type of infection as my body would, and it may not react the same way each time. Essentially, it's the immune system that kind of goes into overdrive. It overreacts, so to speak. And if it's not identified early and treated early, it can lead to septic shock, which has a high mortality rate. Okay. So what's the difference between sepsis and septic shock? There's actually three stages of sepsis. The early sepsis is what we call simple sepsis. Um, And that's just where you start having your beginning symptoms, fever, chills, um, pain, anything that would identify an infection. Um, And then there's severe sepsis where it progresses into organ dysfunction where it might start affecting your kidneys or your ability to oxygenate if it's a lung infection. So um, if that's not treated early, it can progress on into the septic shock, which that's where your body can no longer maintain its blood pressure. You go into multi-organ dysfunction. And if you can't get that reversed, then usually there's a mortality associated. Okay. Um, so it's not necessarily the infection that's doing it. It's your body's overreaction to the infection. Exactly. Okay, that makes sense. It's not something you catch. Gotcha. Um, so what are some of the symptoms of sepsis? Well, and initially it starts with your symptoms of infection. Okay. Um, let's go with a wound. Let's say um, you may have had a surgery and you've got an incision. And keeping a close eye on that incision and caring for it as you are instructed to do so. But if you begin to have an increase in redness, swelling, discomfort, start running a fever, it's time to go see your doctor and let them see the incision and make an evaluation, possibly start you on an oral antibiotic. However, if you don't follow through with your physician and it continues to progress, it can progress into sepsis where you may become um, very, very weak and tired. You may um, lose appetite. Some people become confused. You may have chills from the fever. You may not have a fever at all. Not everybody with sepsis has a fever. Um, Some people have chills. Some have dizziness. And usually those are associated with a high fever or low blood pressure. So as you see, the symptoms get worse as it progresses down that chain. 
So you say, you know, you might have this symptom, you might not have this symptom. It sounds like a little bit like it can be kind of hard to tack down. It can. And what we normally do, what we normally say is if you know you have an infection or you suspect you have an infection and you develop an increase in your heart rate and increase in your one of these increased heart rate, increase in temperature, increase in respiratory rate or work of breathing, you have to work harder to breathe. You get short of breath easily, something like that. Or you know that your blood pressure is a little low and a symptom of that is dizziness. Like when you stand up, you get lightheaded. Um, if you have any of those symptoms associated with what you think might be an infection, that's the time to go seek medical assistance. And if your physician is not open, it's time to go to the med stop or the emergency room. If your blood pressure is low, I would prefer that you go straight to the ER. Let us evaluate you and get you started on the correct um, antibiotic. Simply said, sepsis survival is related to early identification and early treatment. Understood. So... You kind of touched on it a little bit. The treatment um, is antibiotics. Is there different, based on the stages, different kinds of antibiotics that you give, or is it? No. What we do, if we do not know what the infection is right away, we start you on what is considered a broad-spectrum antibiotic. It covers different types, and most all of types, okay? Um, We do blood cultures. When you come into the hospital, and that helps us to identify specific bacteria or infection to align our antibiotics to. If you have to stay with us and it comes back that you're growing something in your blood, a bacteria of some sort, we're going to look at our antibiotic and make sure you're covered with that. But meanwhile, we've put you on a broad spectrum that will cover most everything. Is sepsis um, like other infections and that it is contagious at all? No, it is not. Um, I'm going to back up that statement. Okay. Um, I will say if your infection is one that is respiratory, such as COVID, Mm -hmm. flu, those are viral, which can be go into sepsis, and those can be contagious. So I can't say that all of them are not, but most of your bacterial, like uh, in your wounds and that kind of thing, unless it's MRSA. So there are some that are contagious, and you have to use good hand hygiene, washing your hands frequently, or if you're coughing, sneezing, make sure you're coughing in your elbow, those kind of things to help prevent the spread. Right. So it's kind of like when we we say it a lot on this uh, podcast, you know, everybody's different. So everybody's case of sepsis can be different. So some people might be contagious just because of the kind of sepsis that they have. Right. The kind of infection that they are dealing with. Understood. Mm So uh, can anyone get sepsis and are there risk factors involved uh, for sepsis? Yes, anyone can get sepsis. There are those that are higher risk for it. But I will say that not all infections go in, lead into sepsis. Okay. Okay. Like we initially said, it depends on your body's response to the infection itself. Um, People who are higher at risk are those over the age of 65. As we get older, our immune system gets a little depleted. Mm-hmm. Um, and likewise, when you're young, maybe less than a year old, your immune system is not quite as mature. Okay. Um, people who are immunosuppressed, they may be on have cancer and on chemotherapy. They may have conditions such as lupus or HIV that suppresses their immune system. 
Um, pregnancy suppresses the immune system because the body um, changes the immune system to protect the body from attacking the baby. So they are a little bit more at risk for infection. Um, So just immunosuppression um, is a big one. Okay. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, Are there any ways to prevent sepsis? Primarily good hand hygiene, uh, good oral hygiene, good body hygiene, um, things like we mentioned, covering your mouth when you cough or sneeze, Mm -hmm. washing your hands frequently. We don't think about, I think we became more aware of it when we had COVID, but we don't think about what we touch in a daily business, the doorknobs, the the elevator buttons Mm -hmm. and all those things. So washing your hands frequently, but especially in those times that you know you've touch something or done something that has contaminated your hands. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you walk into a public bathroom, you should probably wash your hands several times anyway, <laughs> right. just to be safe. Especially before you leave. <laughs> and the other thing is make sure you're following your um, vaccinations, mm-hmm. immunizations to help build that immune system up. Makes sense. Um, the children, you know, and our adults, we have so many now for COVID and flu the RSV and hepatitis, all those things. So just staying up to date with your immunizations and vaccines. Absolutely. Get out there and get vaccinated, guys. <laughs> I've said that. I've said it a couple of times. Definitely get out there and get vaccinated. Um, so I know there's uh, probably listeners out there that um, are concerned they may be septic, um, might be suffering sepsis already, uh, might be post-septic, has already gotten over it. Uh, So I want to ask you some frequently asked questions a patient may have on this topic. So for a second, I'm going to be a patient that um, is either concerned about sepsis or might have sepsis. Okay. I'm showing symptoms of sepsis, but my doctor is telling me not to worry. What should I do? Um, I would clarify with him and ask him to explain to you why he's not worried. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're symptoms continue or become worse, I would definitely seek attention at the med stop or the emergency room. If your symptoms have progressed, I would recommend going to the emergency room. When you go to the med stop, they can give you some antibiotics, but if they're concerned for your blood pressure being low or if it's progressed to that organ dysfunction, then they're going to send you to the emergency room anyway. Makes sense. Um, are there any specialists that might be recommended for the treatment of sepsis? Most of the sepsis that we see is in our emergency room. Okay. 90% of our sepsis cases come through our ED doors. It begins in the community at home. My recommendation is early symptoms of an infection. You go see your physician. Physicians not open or available. You go to the med stop. Mm-hmm. If it has progressed and those symptoms seem to be getting worse or the infection appears to be getting worse, then go to the emergency room. Um, Specialist would be your, like if it's a kidney issue, like maybe you have a UTI Mm -hmm. and you have a kidney stone that has blocked your urine from coming down, it can get infected, then your urologist would be called in. So it depends on the condition that you have Mm -hmm. going on. But if you do have multi-organ dysfunction, our intensivist in the ICU would be your specialist. So there's not necessarily a specialist per se, but depending on what infection is going on. I will say this. We do have infectious disease physicians that we do call in on consult for the most difficult cases. So um, most of the time they're not referred outside of the hospital unless it's a continuing infection that they need to continue to treat after going home. 
makes sense. Um, I had sepsis. I received treatment, and I'm starting to feel better, but I'm worried my sepsis may be coming back or may, may come back at some point. How will I know if this happens? Well, I will say that sepsis does have a high readmission rate simply because your immune system really is taxed in fighting the infection. Um, be alert to your symptoms. Be able to recognize the early symptoms. If you see the same trend beginning, then follow up with your physician for sure. And likewise, depending on how well you are or how, how bad you may feel, then go to the emergency room. Makes sense. Um, I was in the hospital with sepsis. Is it possible for me to get sepsis again? You just said yes. resurgence is possible. Mm -hmm. It uh, is. Is it common? It is more common than we would like for it to be. Okay. And that's just because people aren't following up on what they need to be doing? Or... Sometimes they won't complete their antibiotics after they go home. They feel better. They think it's okay. They return to work too soon. They get, you know, um, may get exposed to other people when their immune system is already busy fighting what they have or is weakened from fighting what they had had. Mm -hmm. um, getting um, exposure to someone who is sick is likely going to make you sick. You may come in with sepsis, but it may not be the same infection. We see people come in with pneumonia. Mm -hmm. After being at home laying around, sure. they can get pneumonia. Or if they did develop some issues with swallowing after they had sepsis the first time, they may go home and continue that difficulty and actually get some fluid in their lungs that can create pneumonia. So there's several opportunities there for it to resurge. Okay, understood. Are there any resources or places where I can learn more about sepsis? There are several um, online. Um, your CDC has written information. Your Sepsis Alliance has written information, um, continuing education. But I'm proud to say that um, Houston has begun a sepsis support group here at the Pavilion in the Educare Department. Um, the first Monday of every night at 6 p.m., um, we've invited the public to learn more for educational purposes, or if you have been a patient that has survived sepsis, septic shock, um, you and your family have gone through an ordeal, and sometimes you go home with other comorbidities that you may not have had prior to sepsis, such as renal failure or um, some sleep disturbances, mental cognitive um, difficulties. This group is to support you, is to share networking, things that may have worked for one, may work for someone else. Um, any social area, social service um, opportunities that you may not be aware of can be shared. So um, we'll also bring in guest speakers for other things such as um, stroke. And um, I know February's cardiovascular month, we'll be having our uh, STEMI coordinator come in and talk. So we'll be sharing other things as well, but primarily we're there to support the patients who've survived sepsis or want to learn more about sepsis. That's great. Good to hear that we've got a group going on now. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something that we do for a lot of different topics at Houston Healthcare. So if you're ever, you know, coming out of a disease state, not just sepsis, but any disease state or you, you're looking for people to network with, you know, always reach out to our educator department. They probably have resources for you if we don't have something in-house. And we might have something in-house for you to come and uh, be a part of uh, a class to participate in or, as you're talking about, a, a group to, um, to have conversations with. So 
Thank you for telling us about that. We have also had the opportunity to go to some senior health care events. We've been invited to those. We've been invited to churches. So we do have the opportunity to come in, out into the public to special groups to okay. speak to them if that's a possibility. And I would recommend reaching out to our educare department that can reach one of us to Absolutely. be able to talk. Absolutely. Um, so I want to thank you again, Donna, for coming on the podcast with me today. And thank you to our listeners uh, for sticking with us all the way to the end. I hope you found this conversation interesting and informative. I know that I did. Um, if you would like to learn more about sepsis, you can visit our website at hhc.org. A link to our sepsis awareness page will be in the description below. And also a link to our events page with the location of the new sepsis group will be there as well. Um, there will also be links to other resources myself or Donna have mentioned today. Um, please be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We post there before anywhere else and make sure to hit that notification bell so you never miss an episode. Our next podcast will be the first of season two. We'll have Sheldon Mattox uh, returning to discuss our community health needs assessment. It's a little report that we do here at Houston Healthcare uh, just for our community to identify uh, health needs in the community, uh, places that we can target to be better as a community and healthier as a community. Uh, so be sure to tune in to learn more about that. Donna, do you have any parting words you'd like to share with our listeners today? Um, I would just highly recommend to become familiar with sepsis. Um, go on to the YouTube, um, has some Sepsis Alliance surviving sepsis stories family members who've lost loved ones or patients themselves who have experienced it. And they talk about what they've been through um, and how they overcame. And it's an opportunity for you to see just how real it is and how um, the early identification and getting treatment early is the best thing that you can do for yourself. Excellent. Good parting words. Um, I hope you have a great rest of your day. And remember to say hashtag house and healthy.